Welcome to Always Listening, Can I Trust My AI Assistant, a podcast series from the Secure AI Assistance Research Project. The SAIS Research Project focuses on investigating the security of AI assistance and privacy of its users. In this podcast series, we will be discussing in particular voice AI assistants with the researchers at SAIS and some of their partners to answer the questions, how do AI assistants really work? How do they use or possibly misuse data? And we will start to unravel the question of, can I really trust my AI assistant? Voice AI assistants are becoming more and more common. They are available on every device, probably even on the one you're listening to me on today. And they are increasingly appearing in homes across the world in the form of smart speakers. In fact, 4.2 billion voice AI assistants are used around the world. Researching these statistics, I couldn't help but wonder if I should get one. I spoke to Professor Jose Souk, the lead researcher on the SAIS project, about why AI assistants have become so popular. I think they're very convenient. They use a way of interacting with us that is quite natural, which is just conversation. So that's quite human, and I think that's why it's so convenient. They have advanced quite considerably in the last few years, leveraging the advances on natural language processing. And they can understand now lots of things that we tell them. They offer lots of capabilities from checking the weather to playing music to actually doing things a bit more complicated. The so-called skills that they have that allow you to even manage your bank account, just talking to your assistant. Okay, so that does sound really useful. But to be honest, I don't really understand how they work. So I give a command like, Hey Alexa, what's the weather today? In London, England, it's six degrees Celsius with partly cloudy skies. But what's actually going on behind the scenes for her to tell me that? So the way they work is that, uh, first of all, uh, they need to understand what you are saying and then they need to serve that. This instances in different ways depending on the architecture. But normally... Is something like there is a smart speaker, for instance, the Amazon Echo. Basically, what it does is wait for the wake-up word, in this case, Alexa. And when it hears that wake-up word, from that moment on, is to record everything you say and then send it to the cloud. So up to that moment where you have not uttered the wake-up word, nothing in theory is getting out of your house. At that point where the smart speaker hears the wake-up word, then starts recording what you are saying and then sends that to the cloud. So it goes to the cloud and then that audio, first off, is turned into text. So it goes through a pipeline of a natural language uh, processing methods powered by machine learning uh, where uh, the audio is first turned into text and then from the text it does what is called natural language understanding which is basically from the text understand what the user's intent is what the users want 
once it knows what the user wants, then it's got to serve what the user wants. In that case, then what it does is to um, decide what's the best skill to serve that. So assistants have skills to do stuff. So a skill is the name given to the applications used in AI assistance. Just like mobile phones have apps, voice assistants have skills. Jose explained a bit more about the two types of skills. There are some of them that are native, so Amazon will have put into Alexa some native uh, skills, like checking the weather or answering knowledge questions, stuff like that, that are owned by Amazon Alexa. And then there are also plenty, thousands of, of, of other skills that third-party developers have created as an add-on to Alexa to give Alexa more capabilities so it can do more stuff for users. So then there is also a process uh, which is also facilitated by some machine learning models where the best skill for what the user wants is selected. From that moment on, the actual command what the user wants is passed on to that skill. If it's a native skill, it keeps within the Amazon ar ar architecture and systems. If it is a third-party skill, it may go anywhere in the internet. Do you think people know that there are two sets of skills, like some are Alexa and some... No, 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 no way. No way. People do not usually understand if uh, they are talking to a native or to a third-party skill because they don't see that when they are talking to the assistant. They may see when they are looking for skills if they go to the market, but normally that's not even needed for you to interact and ask for things from Alexa. So there's been lots of research, including ours, that shows that people just don't know whether they are talking to a native skill or a third-party skill. So once the information reaches the skill, then what happens? It will then process the command and do what you want to do. The check the weather will do that and then bring back what the weather will be for today. And that's brought back to the Amazon Alexa infrastructure, convert it again into voice, and then that's what you hear back. In addition to that, there may be other things that happen. For instance, when you have your Alexa integrated with your smart home devices, you could say things like, Alexa, turn up or turn down the temperature, right? So at that point, the third-party skill to process your command, what it's doing is to contact your actual cloud account of that smart home device, and then from the cloud, it will be sent to your smart home device that the temperature needs to be brought down. What you see is that normally there is not a direct also interaction. That is something users usually don't understand as well. There is not a direct interaction between the Alexa and your smart home device. Usually, it depends, but usually what happens is that everything goes to the cloud and then will go back to your home to actually having some action in your smart uh, device. So you utter the wake-up word along with your command, and that goes to the cloud to be translated by natural language processing. Once it's been understood, a skill is chosen, either a native skill that is owned by the service provider like Alexa or Suri, or a third-party skill which could have been made by anyone. Then the action is taken. But actually, most people don't understand that this is the mechanism behind a voice AI assistant. So as a user, what we found in uh, the studies we've done, we found that across platforms, I mean, didn't matter what assistant you were talking about, 
there was some consistent mental model from users, a very prominent one that was uh, they pictured or they considered the assistant as this all-in-one thing device, like small brain. So, for instance, if you had your Amazon Echo, it would everything, all the intelligence, everything would be in there. All your data that you tell Alexa would be inside there. This device will be very clever and will respond to everything you say. That was the most prominent uh, mental model that we saw across users of different types, people who've been using assistance for, in some cases, years. There were only few people that got to the point where they understood the assistant really, it connects to the internet. It uses the internet, it uses the cloud. For many of the uh, things I asked the assistant to do, they've got to connect to the cloud and do stuff there. I'm not sure they were really understanding that actually the this, this speaker itself does very little. Basically just records and sends to the cloud. Nothing else. All the processing of what the user wants happens there as well. I'm not sure pe those people were understanding that, but at least they had this intuition that the smart speaker in itself was not enough to do everything. It needed to connect to the internet and it needed to connect to the cloud to do stuff. And what was really surprising is that nobody was talking about third parties getting involved here. That was the surprising bit, in the sense that at most they were talking about some queries, some data going to the cloud, some processing happening in the cloud, but very little uh, people, actually nobody in our, in our studies that we did, they were realizing that what was happening is that data needed to go not just to the Amazon cloud infrastructure, but also to other infrastructures in order for their command to be uh, properly served. So that was, that was surprising because it really shows that people were unaware at the end of the day that their data does not only go to the cloud, but also to all sorts of other entities that have nothing to do with Amazon in that sense. So your voice assistant really could be sending data anywhere depending on the skill that you're using and the information it has access to. But isn't this like any app on your phone or program on your computer? They all ask you for access to data about you, whether that's your name or your location or something else. And sometimes it sends that data onto somewhere else. Isn't this just the same? It's, it's, it's very interesting that uh, there are similarities between uh, assistance and this idea of the skills. And it is true that there are some similarities with other concepts in other platforms, like your apps in your mobile phone. It's kind of like if you get your mobile phone alone, it does stuff, but it doesn't do much. You usually put apps into it so that you can do more stuff with your phone, right? Uh, so that's quite similar to the concept of skills. But uh, there's a difference. Uh, because apps usually run in your device, in your mobile phone. That doesn't happen with skills. They don't run in your smart speaker. They run somewhere in the internet and can even be other platforms that have nothing to do with Amazon at all. 
So the only way you really interact with those skills or that you have some control of it is basically what you just say to the device. Because then it's gone, the data, it's no longer anywhere in a place where you can control in that way. It is true that in our laptops, in our computers, and mobile phones, many of the apps we have nowadays, if you take them offline, you won't be able to do much because most of them also have a cloud backend that's doing some of the processing or stuff like that. But still, you have them running in your device and you can basically see where data is going from there to some extent. And that's been thoroughly improved with tools like uh, Apple's privacy report and stuff like that. It is actually even um, better to, to, to show you where data may be going, your data may be going. That doesn't happen with skills because they basically run somewhere else. You have no physical access to where skills may be running at all. So data really can go to any place on the internet, depending on the skill that we're using. The design of a voice AI assistant means that we have less agency in finding out where that data is going and what data is being collected. But what about before we even choose a skill? Are the assistants always listening to you? Are they recording your conversations and potentially sending them somewhere else? Well, um, okay. So when it comes to what what gets recorded and the idea uh, that these systems and what most systems do is that nothing in principle is recorded. The assistant in principle, it's not continuously listening to what you are saying. In some cases, there are, there are things that you do for that to happen, like pressing a button or basically the wake-up word. For instance, some speakers, what they have is a very basic AI model that just dedicates itself to pick up the wake-up word. It doesn't do anything else. It's not able to do anything else. So if you're at home and if you don't say, for instance, Alexa, in principle, nothing should be recorded. In practice, there's been some studies of what's called misactivations, where the model that is in those speakers made a mistake. It thought somebody had uttered the wake-up word, and they didn't. So it's happened that there's been some accidental recording of data that will, of course, go to the cloud and be processed, and then some people sometimes get things like Alexa suddenly saying something. But that can happen because um, these systems aren't perfect. So, so there, there, there can be what's called misactivation. However, everything that you uh, say after the wake-up word, everything goes to the cloud, everything gets stored, everything gets processed, and you can actually... Uh, go, we are talking about Amazon Alexa, go to your Amazon account online and you can see the history of everything you've said. It's there for you. You can also go there and remove anything that you don't want to. So there's a simple AI model in a voice assistant whose only job is to pick up the activation word, whether that's Alexa, Siri or OK Google. And only when that AI has been activated will anything else happen in the assistant. So is my assistant always listening? Technically, yes. 
but nothing happens until I say the activation word. Next time, we will explore more about the privacy of AI assistants and what happens to user data. Can users control how their data is being used? And we will hear from a data privacy expert about how these issues are affecting businesses. Privacy is not actually really that much about privacy. It's about respecting the rights of your customers and acting with transparency and acting with knowledge about what you're doing with effectively their property. Because the data is theirs, it's not yours. That's in episode two of Always Listening, Can I Trust My AI Assistant? The SAIS project is a cross-disciplinary research project between the Department of Informatics, Digital Humanities and the Policy Institute at King's College London and the Department of Computing at Imperial College London, working with non-academic industry partners and policy experts, including Microsoft and Securities, who you will hear from in this podcast. If you would like to find out more about SAIS, you can visit us on our website or contact us on Twitter or LinkedIn. All the links are in the show notes. The music in this podcast is by Serge Quadrado.